Hey, church family, Chris and Tiffany here, ready to dive in with you into this next topic as we continue in our foundational series here, exploring church culture. And today's topic is kingdom influence and identity. This is a topic that's really close to my heart personally. It's something the Lord has given me a lot of passion about. I have a great desire to see raised up in the church leaders who are confident about this area of leadership and who are able to disseminate it well to those that they lead and really impart it in a way that is life-changing. Yeah, so we've got kingdom influence and identity. Let's break those up. They play into each other. They're related, but let's start with kingdom influence. We believe that church leadership should really be marked by a passion to have every believer who's a part of each church walking in the fullness of their calling or their kingdom influence. So starting with that aspect of this topic, let's talk about what kingdom influence is and how do we as leaders identify it and then call it out in others. So to do that, I think we're going to have to go back in time a little ways and look at something that happened probably, gosh, it's probably been 35 years ago. And that was that Bill Bright, who founded Campus Crusade for Christ, which is now known as Crew, and Lauren Cunningham, who founded YWAM, or Youth with a Mission, got together back, I believe it was in the early 80s. It could have been even earlier than that in the 70s. But they had lunch and upon their meeting together, discovered that they had both been given the same exact dream by the Lord just a short time before, probably within a couple of weeks before their meeting. And that dream included a vision for what the Lord was doing in his church, how he was shifting the directive for the church in how to make disciples, not the directive of making disciples, but how to accomplish that. And what came out of that was this idea of the seven mountains of influence. And this is probably something you've heard of before. If you haven't, it's pretty easy to click on a podcast and hear about it because it's a topic that has been talked about in the church more and more in the last couple of years. But the idea of the seven mountains of influence is simply that within our culture, within any culture on the face of the earth, there are primary areas of culture that influence the entire fabric of that society or culture. In other words, we're just talking about sectors of society. Most authors have divided this into seven categories, divided life into seven categories of culture. And these seven categories are divided a little differently depending on who you talk to. We typically teach that the seven mountains are government, education, family, arts and entertainment, media, business, and the church. In other words, those are the seven areas of culture that most greatly impact the fabric of our society, the fabric of most societies. Now, again, going back to this very crucial lunch date that Lauren Cunningham and Bill Bright had, as they began discussing the fact that the Lord had given them both the same dream, what they began to realize is that God is calling or was calling his church to come outside of the walls of the church 
and to be the church in culture Mm -hmm. rather than having this mindset or mentality of, okay, we're going to huddle in the walls. We're going to have vibrant life inside these walls, but we're going to stay within the walls and just kind of make it until Jesus comes back and have our own little microcosm of society within the walls of the church. What they felt the Lord was speaking was, no, it's time for the church of God to move outside of its walls and to begin infiltrating society in such a way that we bring solutions, we bring life, we bring hope to every sector of society so that the very fabric of society is redeemed by the power of the kingdom of God being released. The way that we are teaching this now is very similar to what Bill Bright and Lauren Cunningham discussed at that lunch date. And that is we as the church need to have an outward focus, not an inward focus that we need to remember, just as we talked about in a previous podcast, Jesus himself said, I will build my church so we can trust that Jesus will build the church as we focus on expanding his kingdom and releasing it everywhere we go into every sector of society. So this is just identifying one of the ways that we can expand the kingdom. And it's utilizing the giftings that God has put in each of us and the call on our lives. And yet it's more than a call. For example, I think about in our lives, when you and I were first married, we went before the Lord and asked him, Lord, do you want us to pursue ministry or marketplace? And the Lord said both. And so for a 30-year period, I was involved in marketplace. Now, that's my calling as a man to provide for my family. But I don't necessarily have an anointing for marketplace, That doesn't mean that I can't be effective in building the kingdom in the marketplace, but there isn't a peculiar anointing on my life for that mountain. Yeah, I think it's really important for us to recognize that the Holy Spirit has divinely, providentially given to each believer not only these packages of spiritual gifts that we each receive upon salvation, but he's also uniquely suited us to have impact and influence in an area of culture or maybe even more than one area of culture because of our gifts, because of who we are, because of what we carry, because of our background, because of our family history. All of these things kind of come together and form who we are in such a way that we are able to leave an imprint on an area of society maybe more than another sector of culture. For instance, Chris and I both come from families that have a rich history of ministry in the church. And having been raised in the church, having a passion for the church, and then looking at the gifts that the Lord has given to each of us uniquely, when you put all that together, we see this package of us as a couple having a powerful impact on the sector of society that is the church. We know that we're confident in that. For others, it could look very different than that. You could have a family that has a great influence in arts and entertainment that comes from being a part of that atmosphere. And then they get a call from the Holy Spirit, a passion that's infused in their spirit to reach those in that sector who are lost with the gospel of Christ. Now, people ask, well, can it be just one? I feel called to more than one mountain. 
Yes. I think we see numerous examples of that in Christendom. We see leaders who have influence not only in the church, but God has given them influence in mm. other areas of culture mm. and profoundly given them influence in other areas of culture. So I don't think it's appropriate for us to limit ourselves to one area, but each of us as a believer, as a son or daughter of God has one area of culture that the Lord is saying to us, I want you to take territory in this area. I have uniquely suited you for this, and I've given you a passion to do this as well. So as leaders within the church, our job is to look at those that we're leading, recognize how they are uniquely called to any of these seven areas, these seven mountains, and encourage them and call that out in them, breathe life into that, speak life over that, challenge them, exhort them to run after that and to literally get outside the walls of the church with an attitude and a mentality of faith and expectation to begin to influence this area that they're called to. One of the examples that comes to my mind is music, which would be under the heading of arts and entertainment. And this is an interesting mountain of influence because it's one that I believe the church had a lot of influence on centuries past and then gave that up to the world and lost influence there. I think back to, as a child, Christian music was always behind that quote-unquote worldly music was better quality. It was a better production, better artists. More innovative. More innovative. And this was the case for most of my youth. And then as the church began to recognize that this was an area that they should be going after it to have influence for the sake of the kingdom, what began to happen is a shift. And now you see in many cases the quality of the production, the innovation, etc., is actually better inside the church with the music that's coming from the church than that that is in the world. And I think that that should be happening in every sector, in all seven of these mountains where there is a pursuit of excellence, not for the sake of excellence, but for influence. And yet we have also those that would pursue a mountain and recognize that there's an anointing on their life to have uh, success in that mountain. And yet they kind of hoard that success. There really isn't a display of a kingdom heart for that individual. And so we're not just talking about success. We're not just talking about favor in any area of society. We're not talking about dominating any particular field. We can point to many Christians in many of these sectors of society that have done really well for themselves and yet possibly haven't advanced the kingdom. So this is a very different concept. It's taking the two ideas, the giftings and talents, but it's combining them with an anointing to bring influence for the expansion of the kingdom. And I think it's important also for us to look at what happens and what has happened historically when we take the opposite perspective, when we take what typically has been the church's perspective for the past maybe 40 or even 50 years, which is let's just hold on within the walls 
and pull in as many as we can, pull in as many to be saved as we can to come into the walls with us and wait until Jesus takes us home to heaven. And then, you know, things are really going to get good then. And what that mentality has done is that we literally have watched all around us, especially in our nation of the United States, as we have pulled into the walls of the church to be safe, quote unquote, to not be tainted by the world, to not be influenced by the world, we have lost our influence in the world and the enemy has taken territory that we should be holding. And all around us, we see the effect of that. We see in the arts and entertainment. We see in the family. We see in education and in government. In every one of these seven areas of culture, we see the eroding of righteousness and the flagrant display of evil. And we also see a world that is crying out for solutions because as evil has encroached more and more on territory that should belong to the church, that the church should be saying, yeah, we have solutions for this. People become more desperate because they're impacted by the wickedness. They're impacted by the crumbling of society. And they begin in their souls and spirits to recognize we, we've got to have something more than this. And that's where the church comes into the picture in such a powerful and profound way. As we go into each of these seven sectors and we say, Hey, I've got a solution for that. Something maybe we've been up all night praying about or fasting and asking the Lord for ideas or solutions or a way to communicate things. And we walk into a meeting or we walk into an atmosphere. We step into city hall or wherever it might be. And we literally share in humility and yet with authority what God has given us, an idea, a solution. And things begin to shift and the loss begin to recognize hope. And they began to see what kingdom solutions actually look like as the kingdom of God is released in righteousness and joy and peace. And so all of society then begins to have this shift back towards righteousness and territory is reclaimed. So I believe it's pretty easy to see as a leader why this would be so important, why it's so crucial for us to recognize in those that we lead what it is that they carry, how they've been crafted to take territory in one of these seven areas of culture, and then to encourage them, to spur them on, to challenge them, even perhaps open doors for them with connections that you might have or put them in contact with people that can help them to pursue their calling in this area. As a leader, that is our responsibility to begin to challenge those that we lead to think in this way. If you look at the curriculum, you'll see that there's a book related to this topic, which we've recommended, Johnny Enlow's Seven Mountain Renaissance. So there are several other books on this topic, including from Johnny Enlow himself. I think he's written three books on this topic. There are other authors. I believe Lance Wallnow has written a book on the same topic. I think that if you would take a look at Johnny Enlow's book, Seven Mountain Renaissance, he's going to take you into the depths of this topic to um, really inspire you regarding understanding your call and beyond that, the anointing that is on your life to take territory for the kingdom. Now, is it possible to take territory for the kingdom without understanding your own identity, your own kingdom identity. 
I don't believe it is. And I think both of us feel very strongly about this, that before we can go forward outside the walls of the church to influence culture, we have to first have a very strong understanding of who we are as sons and daughters of God. And that includes this very key idea of identity, identity in Christ, identity in the kingdom, who we have been called to be, but also who we were made new to be when we submitted our life and allegiance to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I really am a big proponent of is digging into the word and allowing the word to transform our minds when it comes to our royal identity. And a lot of that is found in Ephesians chapter one and two. In fact, one of my current heroes of the faith, a man named Todd White, talks about his conversion and how when he came to know the Lord and was pulled out of a, a very intensely dark lifestyle, that he took a year and just read Ephesians chapter one every day over and over and over and over again for a whole year. And that that reading of Ephesians 1, meditating on it, soaking in it, mm. literally began to transform the very fabric mm -hmm. of his thinking about who he was as a son of God, about who he was in regards to what he carried, the authority that he carried, the power that he carried, the mind of Christ that he carried, all of these things that God displays in Ephesians 1 so powerfully through Paul's authorship. And Todd White was able then to take what he had learned through this transformative process and take it out onto the streets in a way that I have rarely seen its equal. He's a man who goes and releases encounters with the Holy Spirit through healing, through deliverance, through radical salvations all over the nation, all over the world in such a beautiful way. Tremendous influence birthed out of kingdom identity. So as leaders, it's very crucial for us to first check our own hearts, check our own mindsets about our identity and see whether or not we have a true comprehension of that royal identity, understanding fully who the Lord has called us and made us to be. And then once we have immersed ourselves in that, begin to allow the overflow from that to spill out on those that we lead. And not just the overflow, but also challenging those that are coming up behind us to also dig into the word, dig into the truth of God's word about who they are in Christ so that they too can be transformed and then go out confidently beyond the walls of the church, unshaken in spite of opposition they may face because they know who they are and who they're called to be out in the world. It's kind of hard to know who other people are. In other words, to look and see identity in other individuals and call it out and recognize it. It's difficult to do that when you haven't done that yourself, when you don't yet know who you are in Christ. And as a son, as an heir, a member of a royal family, the call on your life and what you're walking in. And so your ability to call others up and into their destiny is dependent upon you personally recognizing your own kingdom identity, recognizing who you are and who he has crafted you to be in his kingdom with regard to influence, talents, 
spiritual gifts, the package that makes you, you. Another really powerful passage of scripture for this issue is Romans chapter six through eight. Really fabulous place to meditate and to soak for a few months even, um, because Paul does such a good job in articulating who we were before Christ and who we are now in Christ. So if you're looking for places to start, to begin to see that transformed mind for yourself and to encourage others in, Ephesians chapters 1 and 2 and Romans 6 through 8 are fabulous places to begin. And then I also wanted to just touch on the fact that what happens when we begin to understand our true identity is that the power of the lies of the enemy is broken in our life. Truth always breaks off lies. So once we begin to soak ourselves in the truth of God's word regarding who we are in Christ, we begin to recognize the lie that maybe has been hidden or maybe we've been accepting or swallowing for years because mm-hmm. it begins to come into the light, so to speak. Right. And one of the results of that as well is spiritual strongholds of lies are torn down in our life. And the truth is so powerful to do this. We know that the truth sets us free. And so as we begin to meditate on the truth, as we declare the truth over ourselves, as we soak in it, we see that lies are broken, spiritual strongholds are torn down, and the enemy's schemes in our life are actually displayed for what they truly are. We are able to see them clearly and therefore able to take them out in our lives so that they no longer have any power or any influence over us. This is really important, again, not only for us as leaders, but also for those that we lead. We will see more maturity and growth in those that we lead when they come to know their true identity than almost through any other topic that we could teach into. Spiritual identity and the truth of who we are in Christ will cause tremendous growth. Mm. And that growth then will become a catalyst for influence out in the world. Amen. As you're listening, you may be recognizing, wow, I really haven't ever taken the time to solidify within my own soul and spirit who I am in Christ and really know it and be confident in it. So how am I going to be able to teach those that I lead? How am I going to be able to pour that into those that I lead? So I just want to take a moment and just release this over each one of us as we prepare to go out and lead others to become mighty warriors in culture. Father, we just thank you that you have not left us in the dark in regards to who you say that we are, in regards to who you've called us to be, in regards to what you have crafted us to walk in. Mm -hmm. Lord, you specify so beautifully through your word exactly how you see us, exactly how you've made us. And so, Father, right now, I just ask that you would begin to break off every lie that would raise itself up against the knowledge of God in regards to identity for each one who is listening. Lord, would you just begin to tear down those spiritual strongholds of perhaps even years of thinking certain thoughts about ourselves, about who we are or who we aren't. 
And Father, I just ask that by the power of your spirit, you would just cut straight through to the heart and expose the lies in the light of the truth. Lord, I ask that you would raise each one who's listening up into a strength and maturity of who they have been called to be in Christ Jesus. And that then that would spill over out of them just effortlessly, organically into the lives of those that they lead and that they would be able to recognize and call them up and release and launch them into their kingdom identity and destiny. Amen. And beloved, I want to pray for you also with regard to kingdom influence. Father God, I thank you for this one listening. And and I pray that even now you would begin to speak by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would begin to quicken the heart regarding the anointing on this one, to walk in their calling, to take territory for your kingdom, to glorify the name of Jesus, and to take territory back from the enemy to advance your kingdom. So God, I pray that you would begin to speak even this week and bring words of confirmation regarding that call in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, and just one last parting thought. Remember, as we dive into these things and really begin to chew on them for ourselves, all of this is for one purpose, and it's to make Jesus famous in our generation. That's it that his name would be glorified, that his name would be exalted, and that everywhere we go, people would see the Lord exalted through our lives and made famous through who we demonstrate him to be in the day-to-day of our lives. Amen. That's our prayer. We're praying for you. God bless you. We'll see you again soon.